You're listening to 50 Bad Songs, a behind-the-scenes look at the process of transforming ideas and experiences into music and lyrics, also known as songwriting. Each episode, you will hear a new song and how it came into existence. My name is Tim Roscoe, and this is Season 3, Episode 24, Rest. Dear listeners, it feels like I feel like I should come up with the name for my listeners. I toyed with this a little bit on the Patreon recently, and I think we tried this before at the beginning of season one. But I keep saying dear listeners, which is fine, but like I think we can do better. What if uh bad songers? <laughs> uh what about baddies? Baddies? Hello, baddies. I don't know, maybe that doesn't fit my my vibe. Uh, BSers. I abbreviate on my computer 50 bad songs as 50 BS. So BSers, how do you guys feel about that? Anyways, uh, we've made it to April, which means that I'm coming up on the one year anniversary of moving to LA, which is very exciting for me. Exciting times, exciting places. A lot has happened in the last year, a lot of good and a lot of not so good. And with things opening back up, I've been doing even more just out in the world existing, I guess. I'm still for sure light years away from that amount that I was doing back in 2019. But even still, after including a few more events and social activities, I am just plum exhausted. Like how, truly, how did we do so much before? I don't even know if I'm like capable of doing that much again. Is this a symptom of the lockdown or is this a symptom of just getting older? I am, you know, moving into my mid-30s soon. I don't know. Either way, something that I have come to appreciate more is rest and taking time to rest. And lucky for you, that is the theme for today's episode. More on that later. If you are new to the show, welcome. As always, this is a fantastic episode to start with, and we are happy to have you here. If you don't already know, this podcast is a documentation of a long growth process over time, and if you'd like to hear that growth from the very beginning, we have a backlog of episodes that will take you on that journey. We've grown so much, and we've come so far. Or, if you don't have that much time, you can listen to all the songs that we've written on this show by visiting 50badsongs.bandcamp.com, or you can stream them on Spotify and Apple Music. If you are a longtime listener and you've enjoyed listening to 50 Bad Songs thus far, I encourage you to consider supporting the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash 50 Bad Songs. We've got lots of bonus content for you over there. And if I have my ducks in a row, you might just get early access to episodes if I get my ducks in a row. This week, this episode, maybe not so much. But next one, you never know. You know, and that's the perk. It's a it's a real exciting roulette of experiences. Special thanks this month to our esteemed Patreon patrons in the tenor section tier, Susan and Chris Roscoe, Francesca Scalisi, Rebecca Murphy, Vicky Scott, and Shirley Park. 
Your support truly means the world to me. Thank you for being here today. And once again, here is a brand new song, Rest. Okay, so low-key, this entire season, not entirely, probably the second half will not be, but up to this point, all of these uh, songs have been inspired by songwriting prompts that I have gotten from uh, participating in the 5 and 5 challenge with Sarah Spencer from uh, Song Fancy, and 
I've mentioned it in all the previous episodes. I will again link her stuff in the transcription and in the episode probably. But this song, once again, was inspired by a songwriting prompt. And I've already explained why I love songwriting prompts. But I think that songwriting prompts are great for giving you ideas that maybe you wouldn't come up with on your own or getting you to like stretch the way you write a little bit. So the prompt for this song was write about a sacred place, you know, well, so when I saw this prompt, I gave it a lot of thought. Like I really, I really wanted to write something meaningful and I wanted to like give it a good showing. I don't know what the word is, but the whole, the whole point of the five and five challenge is to write quickly and and you're writing a song every day. And so I couldn't give it too much thought, but I did want to, I did want to take it seriously. But to give you some context, I was working on this set of prompts in particular in early January, 2021. And we all know what was happening in our country at that time. But besides that, we were also like just coming out of 2020 and I was feeling exhausted by the lockdown and the endless news cycle and just like everything in the world. And I was doing the songwriting challenge and I was doing my best to do it every day after work. But honestly, I was probably pushing myself too hard because it was a lot. There was just a lot. But the day that I wrote this song in particular was January 6th. Yeah. And so by the time I sat down to start writing, I was truly just so mentally and emotionally drained and exhausted. And just all I wanted to do was go and curl up in my bed in normal times, in general, I kind I treat my bedroom like a safe haven. I'm very protective of it. It is my safe space. It's where I can truly rest and it's where I can be my myself fully without anyone else's eyes or expectations on me. And and so I I really value that space. And I I it's very it's important to me. And at this time, I was living in Nashville and my room was actually pretty big. It was a upstairs attic sort of space. And so, you know, it had weird shapes because it was a lot of it was like in a dormer. But because I was in this weird space, I had already designated one corner of it to be my music creation space. But then after the pandemic began, I started working my day job from home. And the only space I had to set up that work was also in my bedroom. And then also because trying to just survive or whatever, it also became the space where I would exercise after work, my bedroom. So my room at large had been like wholly invaded by all these things that typically exist in other spaces. But in spite of all this, there was one spot in my room that was still my safe space. And that was my bed. And as I started to think about this and think about how I wanted to curl up in my bed and and whatever, I realized that my bed is a sacred place to me. After a long day, where do I want to go? I want to go to my bed. On a Saturday morning, where do I want to be? My bed. As mentioned in the last episode, I love sleeping. And where does sleep happen? My bed. And also, I love that early morning light, as we learned. And where am I most likely to see that? My bed. Also, if I'm going to meditate or if I'm going to pray, where does that usually happen for me? In my bed. So I decided that I was going to write this song with this perspective, that my bed is a sacred place that I know very well. I did worry that maybe I was like bypassing the prompt a little bit because I was maybe afraid to get too deep or real. But I I honestly think that this was the honest to goodness truth, especially from that time period where I like couldn't go anywhere else. I just wasn't going anywhere else. My bed was the only place that I felt truly at peace 
So to talk about how we wrote this song, the first verse was directly an extension of and an expression of the day, January 6th. As I mentioned, I was just it was it was just a lot to take in. And I was also doing my corporate job that I just truly didn't care about. And I was stuck inside my house because of a pandemic and just the normal pain of existence. And so it was just, it was just all a lot that day. And so I tried to write what I was feeling. The first half of the first verse is exactly that. It's just literally straight up, how am I feeling? The second half, I tried to broaden it just a little beyond the day to what I've been feeling kind of overall. Um, so the, the line, no going back to where you've been is a reference to the pandemic and the feeling that things just would not be going back to like, quote, normal anytime soon. I came up with the chords fairly quickly. There's nothing crazy going on. It's in the verse. It's goes from G to D to G to E minor to A, which is a fairly straightforward, like four, one, four, two, five progression, which is good because it, you know, the five leads you back to the tonic, but then I kind of go to the four instead of the tonic, but eventually we get to the tonic, whatever. Anyways, it's fairly straightforward, not anything crazy. I did my usual thing of playing an ostinato or a repeating figure in my right hand, which, as mentioned before, is my go-to when I'm trying to figure out a song just because I can kind of play around more without getting hung up on theory or what my fingers are doing. The perk of doing this sort of ostinato repeated pattern thing is that you can also find some interesting colorful voicings besides normal basic chord structure. And in this case, I found that instead of doing a normal G chord, which would be the notes G, B, D, I would do a suspended G chord, which was G, A, D. And then I could keep the A and the D through all the other chords. So the, through the D chord, through the E minor, and through the A. And it made for some colorful voicings. And I liked the way that that sounded. It was calm, but it contained within it like a little more interest and, and I guess you could say unrest. And so it was both calm and not completely restful. I also wanted to make this song a little more upbeat. I think the previous two songs I had written <laughs> in that challenge and also in this show were fairly slow. And so I wanted to keep it upbeat and keep things moving. So I went for this sort of piano pop styling, which you can hear in the demo. And even though this song was ultimately about being exhausted and like ready to get in bed, the emotion was ultimately positive. And I thought it would be fun to keep things, you know, up in mood and in rhythm and in tempo in contrast to these sort of tired lyrics. I don't know. That, those are my thoughts. Burned all your fire, done what was required. Somehow you've held it together. Down to the wire, it's time to retire. No day can last forever. Because I was leaning into this piano pop sound, one of the structural things that is often found in pop songs is the pre-chorus, which is a way to connect the verse and the chorus. And it, it usually is used to like build up the energy into the chorus. And so if your pop song is one of those ones that has the same chord progressions in the verse and the chorus, which a lot of them do, no shade, it's I do it on this show a lot. The pre-chorus provides you an opportunity to break up that repeating chord progression and you can insert something different as a contrast, almost like a bridge, except the pre-chorus is 
repeated after every verse before the chorus, and and that gives it some you know familiarity. As anyways, uh, I think I came up with the line somehow you've held it together first because again that was kind of like the direct emotion I was feeling that day. That like after all this, it is kind of amazing that you're still here and you're still going. Even though you do want to go to bed, you've held it together. You're still here. But also, I wanted to give myself some, like, self-therapy, self-soothing, and tell myself that it is okay to rest. Rest is super necessary when you're working hard or studying hard or creating hard. Rest is how your body recovers, and it's where it's when your body kind of filters everything. And I think – on the whole, our society is so focused on like this go, go, go and achieve, achieve, achieve and make as much money as you can so that you can be the best and have everything you need. Uh, and I just, I don't know. I feel like after the past few years, it's become very clear to me that like rest is actually way more important to me than endless achievement. I used to do that a lot. I mean, schooling for sure kind of trains it into you that you have to just go, 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 go because it's an endless schedule and you have to be the best so that you can escape, I don't know, utter doom is basically how it's presented to you. And I did that and I I bought that for a long time. But like quite literally, you have to go to bed at some point. You have to stop. You have to rest. And I didn't know until recently how important rest truly was for you to continue to go in any capacity, but especially if you're going at a high capacity. And I used to think that I just like, if I could go, then I would do it. And resting was a waste of my time or that resting got in the way of me being able to achieve things. And I don't think that anymore. Anyways, all that to say this, all of this sort of experience that I had led directly to me writing the line, no day can last forever because even when I've tried, and I have many times, to just keep going, eventually my body will literally shut itself down and just be like, nope, you're falling asleep right now. doesn't matter how much caffeine you've put in you. doesn't matter how much like you have to do this paper or you have to study this thing or whatever. We're falling asleep. So good night. Anyways, I wasn't originally writing this from the perspective of talking to myself, but it kind of started to become that in this pre-chorus. And so I leaned in and just really went for it. So I built the rest of the pre-chorus around this idea of like, yeah, you have literally burned your fire and you've literally done everything that you needed to do. You know, you've done that. And now it's time to stop. (laughs) I played around with a couple more ideas for the second half, but I landed on saying like, you have reached your breaking point. It is time to stop. Anyways, as for the chords in this pre-chorus section, I knew that I wanted to change it up a bit from the verse chords, so I more or less kept the same initial structure, but then I went to this minor six. In this case, in this key, it was B minor, which is a classic move for when you want to change the feel. So I went from the B B minor and then did kind of the the same chords as a verse, Uh, and then I repeat that, but in the second half, I somehow came to like the sound of going to C major, which is not in the key of the song as we've set it up so far. It is a little jarring, but I ended up really liking the sound of that. The, the sound of going from a G major to a D major to a C major. 
Which makes sense in some ways. I haven't fully analyzed it yet, but I think that why I like the sound of it so much has to do with the fact that it's not just a C major chord, but really a C major nine chord, which means it includes these upper extension notes, um, the seventh, the ninth, et cetera. Um, ultimately, these notes are used to color the sort of baseline chord of C major and bring a unique quality to the sound. But... I think in this case, it kind of works as a like deceptive cadence of some kind. So we've been doing this, this G to D major over F sharp back to G move the whole song up to this point. And the notes that are in a G major chord, we talked about it already, but the notes that are in it are G, B, D. Well, when you play a C major nine chord, the notes are C, E, G plus B and D. So my right hand on the piano is basically playing the same chord, a G chord, G, B, D, but I turn it on its head by playing the C and the E in the left hand, which makes it a completely different chord, a completely different context and sound completely new, even though my hand is kind of doing the same thing. Tricks of the piano. Anyways, I think the end result is something that feels stable, like we are going back to where we've been, like back to the G, but it's actually somewhere new entirely. And I think that's cool. And I like the way it felt. So close your eyes, rest your head, forget everything that was said. Take it slow, let it all go, soon you'll float into the skies. And after I wrote the pre-chorus, it kind of became the whole crux of the whole song. Like, yo, you Gotta stop. You gotta rest. Nothing else matters at this point. And so the chorus was my attempt at saying all of this as succinctly as possible. Like, how can I get, how can I wrap all of these thoughts into something that gets the idea across and that, you know, a broad range of people can relate to? I always want to make sure that it, it came, it comes from a place of authenticity. So it is also a reflection on how I personally deal with feeling overwhelmed by life. For instance, I, I just close my eyes and I lay down and I try not to think about anything else. I just breathe and I let go. But in the spirit of pop music, I wanted to wrap it up with a sort of dreamy and extravagant line. Um, what happens when you fall asleep? The world fades away and potentially you drift into a dream. And that turned into the line, soon you'll float into the skies. Uh, obviously that's not literal. And if it is like, tell me how you do that. Cause that's pretty cool. And I would love to fly instead of drive, but that's what it feels like to me. And when I finally get in bed after a long day and go to sleep, I mean, it does kind of just feel like I'm, I'm just floating away into the skies. Anyways, as for the chords for the chorus, I really liked and latched onto this newfound C major nine chord. So I came back to it. And for those of you wondering, I, I truly don't think that we change keys here. The C major chord is not in the key of D, but we do end every phrase of the chorus with a major, which is the five chord of D. And also a major is not a part of C major. So to me, it truly does not change keys. It just feels like a borrowed colorful chord while maintaining the sort of D majorness of it all. Stumble and fall 
There's not much to say about the second verse. Once I had set up the first verse, pre-chorus and chorus, I was, you know, I was on board. I was on the train. We were just riding this idea. And all I had to do was flesh it out a bit more, tell more of the story. So how am I feeling? I'm surviving. I'm giving it my all in spite of everything. I've done everything that I can do all in the name of doing my best. And even if I mess up or have a rough day, at least I'm still trying. And at some point, no matter what, I have to rest. Super easy, super straightforward. And the chords are the exact same as the first verse. <laughs> you thought you had plenty, but now you're on empty. Somehow you've held it together. Keep going and you'll run out of fuel. No day can last forever. So the thing with pre-choruses is that ultimately they are a bridge from the verse to the chorus. And part of what makes them work is that there is repeated lyric material that acts as the setup to the chorus. So I knew that I wanted to keep the somehow you've held it together line because I like that line a lot. And all I needed to do then was fill in the other parts of the pre-chorus and and repeat the no day can last forever because that is kind of the crux of the, the whole song. So I think the first line that I came up with was the run out of fuel bit. And I was trying to figure out how to make all these pieces fit together. But the idea of fuel gave me the idea of driving on empty and how stressful that can be and how I still do it anyways. And so I came up with this rhyme of plenty plus empty, which I like because it's not an exact rhyme and it's kind of, but it is an unexpected. Both words are kind of unexpected words to rhyme with and it's not perfect. I don't know. I love it. And then I followed that up with my actual least favorite rhyme of all time. (laughs) I don't know why I stuck with fuel in the position, in the rhyming position of the line, but I went for it and I rhymed it with the contraction Yule of you will. Part of the reason why that doesn't feel great to me is because I already wasn't sold on the perspective of the song, the sort of talking to yourself and using you as like, you know, you'll do this, you do this is a little overdone and isn't, I don't know, it's not my favorite thing. But once I came up with this rhyme, I was kind of like, well, I guess I'm just putting the stake in the ground. There's no changing it now. Also though, because this was done for a songwriting challenge, I was working under a time constraint and generally the best method is to just make a decision and go with it rather than like hemming and hawing about every single line, which is ultimately, as an artist, yes, valid and worthwhile to like choose your words carefully and with intention and edit them. But also, sometimes you just got to finish the song and and you can change it later, you know? And, and so I, I just went with it, but I don't like it. <laughs> so then we followed that up with another repeat of the chorus. And in the demo, that is the end of the song. So I wrapped it up and I went to bed. Close your eyes, rest your head, forget everything that was said. Take it slow, let it all go, soon you'll float into the skies. Close your eyes, rest your head, forget everything that was said. Slow, let it all go. Soon you'll float 
As you can hear, there was no bridge in the original version of this song. The bridge didn't come until I was working on the recording of the song for this episode in particular. But as I was sitting with the song and reminding myself how to play it, it felt a little too short. Like it was cut off prematurely. And and like not every song needs a bridge, but I, di- I felt like this song did. Plus, I wanted to do the chorus a few more times and a bridge helps to break that up so you're not doing, you know, four choruses in a row or whatever. So anyways, I decided that I wanted to try to write a bridge for this song. And in typical bridge fashion, it needed to somehow be different than all the previous sections. And that becomes harder when you are writing a song that has a pre-chorus that is also different from the verse and the chorus. Because now instead of just like, oh, it needs to be different from the verse and the chorus. Now it has to be different from the verse, pre-chorus, and chorus. I mean, it doesn't have to. I guess you could repeat the same material and do something different. But it, it still, ultimately, you have to do something different. But luckily, I hadn't really leaned on the minor six sound too much yet. So I started with that and worked out this sort of stepwise chord progression that goes from B minor to D major over A to G suspended to D major over F sharp. And you get this nice sort of walking down baseline motion. As for the lyrics, I think the song up to this point has been pretty straightforward about the central idea of pushing yourself too hard and not taking time to rest. But the remaining thoughts that I had were, well, how can you know when you've gotten to that point? Especially when everyone and everything around you is based on hustle culture and working hard as the only way to prove that you are worth something in this world. And as I was thinking about this, I was like, is there ever a point where you have fully accomplished it all? Like, no, that's a lie that we've been told and have, and have bought into at some point we have to decide for ourselves that we are satisfied that we have done enough and our bodies, our relationships, our lives shouldn't be the price we pay for someone else's idea of what is enough. Anyways, so I I wanted to ask these questions like, when do you call it? Where do you draw the line? You can keep pushing yourself all you want, but once your cup is empty, there's literally nothing else to pour. And if you don't take the time to refill your cup, it will continue to be empty. You will always be trying to pull from a resource that doesn't exist, you know, and that the world wants us to be able to pull from resources that don't exist. And At some point, we have to call it out and say, there is no more. We have to do something differently, do something else. (sighs) If you don't define the line for yourself, there is always something more that you could be doing. There's always something more that you should have, money you need to make. But like, when does it end? Is it ever going to be enough? It's enough when you decide it is enough. You get to be the arbiter of what does success look like? What is enough money? What is whatever? And sure, if you want it to be billions of dollars, great, go for it. And it doesn't have to be. (laughs) Anyways, so that became the sort of true climax of the song. And I wanted it to like really land like a big climactic moment. Like I wanted you to say like, will it ever be enough? And let it just hang out over the chorus and like, feel really big and epic. And so with the completion of the bridge, I had all the pieces of the song and I was ready to start creating the track and recording.
It had been over a year since I originally wrote this song, so I was coming back to it with very fresh ears, and I really wanted to make something fun with it. I liked that it felt so poppy, and I thought that it would be fun to contrast to the previous three songs slash episodes of this season to have something just like very upbeat, very poppy. Around the same time that I was reconnecting with this song, I was also doing an exercise on my own of of listening to some of my favorite pop songs and figuring out how to play them on the piano for myself and, you know, changing the keys so that I can sing them or whatever. But one of the songs that I played with was Run Away With Me by Carly Rae Jepsen. Um, And if you haven't heard that song before, it is just pure pop. It is just fun, upbeat vocal pop with a like very notable, bold synth hook that plays throughout the song and is truly iconic. It had a big heyday moment on the internet in like 2015 but it's still such a good song. And as I was listening to it and playing around with it, something else that I noticed was that with the chords that she uses, she uses this sort of suspended chord voicing for the verse. Um, And as I was playing with it, I realized that my song's verse also had this suspended chord figure. And potentially I could do sort of a similar thing with my song. And as I listened more and more, I realized that there were even more elements that I heard that I could use in my song. And so as I saw more similarities between these two songs, I decided that I would use Run Away With Me as a reference track for producing my own track. I've never really written something that was like with the intention of being that poppy before. So I thought that it would be a good exercise in learning how to produce a true pop track by like really referencing pop (laughs) and, and going going for it, you know? So the way that I started this was I listened to Run Away With Me just over and over again and listened to different parts, different elements, try to like break it down into what were the core elements and sounds and how were they functioning in the song and how were they structured and what, you know, were they adding to the song, etc. And so in doing that, I wanted to start by creating the sort of baseline beat first Um, This is where a lot of musicians start when writing songs, but if you've listened to this show, you know that that is not something that I do. (laughs) I would love to. I just don't do it, and maybe after doing this, my mind has been changed. But this time, I wanted to start by creating the beat, and so I took a very close look at the beat and run away with me. So most notably, it has a classic four on the floor kick drum, which is the persistent kick drum that's happening on every single beat, hence the four on the floor. And it is side chained so that everything else feels like it's pulsing. This is a very common effect to use on pop songs and dance songs because you just have this sort of incessant beat and everything else is like pulsing with it and it makes you want to move your body. It also has this constantly running hi-hat sound throughout, as well as a few very distinct like big snare hits. It's got claps. It's got one of those white noise riser things that I talked about in episode one that helps to build the tension before the chorus, as well as a few other different auxiliary percussion sounds thrown in for spice and color. So with all this in mind, I used Splice, which is a sample service, I guess. I don't know how to describe that. I'll link it in the transcription. I used Splice to help me find some drum samples to help build this track out. 
Um, I found a very good punchy kick drum sound, but instead of like a true hi-hat sound, I found this like ticking sound. Um, I think it might be from a watch or a clock or something. I don't know, but I it's, it had the right quality of sound that I wanted, uh, but I had to do some very creative time stretching to make it fit into the tempo of the song and the make it be the triplet rhythm that I wanted it to be. Uh, but once I did all of that, it actually sounded really great and it was the perfect sound. Um, and as I was looking for this, for that sound, I also found the sound of an old digital alarm clock, um, that, you know, was beeping and the rhythm of it actually matched this other rhythm that I created. And so I was like, well, shoot, I'm going to use that too. I didn't know where I was going to put it, but I ended up using it for the bridge section as a means of sort of differentiating that from the choruses. But after the fact, I kind of realized it made sense to use this sort of clock thing because the bridge is almost like a wake up call. And so using this sort of alarm clock sound sort of supports that idea. I think, I don't know, maybe it's more subtle than I am. Think. Anyways, once I had this beat built up to perfection, and then I moved on to the rest of the song. And as I mentioned previously, there was this sort of suspended synth string chord wash sound in the verses, which is a great choice because it is a very clear way to hear the effects of the side-chained kick drum. And so I, I did that for the verses and, and mixed it in for the bridge and the, the end and the intro and stuff. I knew that I wanted to have a very deep and present bass sound because that is also something that's very prevalent in pop and dance music. The bass and the drums and those big low frequency sounds are what kind of move your body and make you want to dance. But I also wanted to do this thing. I wanted to arpeggiate the bass sound in the chorus, which is this way of getting some extra rhythm and movement. An arpeggiator, basically how it works is if you play a chord, it'll arpeggiate the chord, which that word means to go between the different notes of the chord, playing them in succession. And so it will, like if I played a G chord, it would go do 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 And that's how a lot of electronic and dance music gets those sort of incessant rhythms. But on a bass sound, what I did was just one note, and then instead of going do 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 you just get do 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 And so it makes for, you know, a very persistent bass sound I just like the way it sounds in a lot of pop and dance music. Anyways, then I also added a few extra little like tasty, sparkly extra bits um, to differentiate between the verse and the pre-chorus and the chorus. And I sprinkled those throughout and I was feeling pretty good. But then came the hard part, um, that iconic synth hook. I didn't originally write something like this in the original demo, but I wanted to try to do it now, not just because of the reference track, but because a good instrumental hook can take a song from just being good to being extremely memorable. But therein lies the challenge. So like I needed to write something that was both catchy and interesting and not a complete ripoff of the Carly Rae Jepsen reference track. I also wanted it to be able to be played over either the chords in the verse or the chords in the chorus, just because I like that sort of flexibility and then you can use it in different sections. You can call back to it. I personally really think that that's cool and interesting. 
But that was tricky because of that spicy borrowed C major 9 chord in the chorus. So I toyed with truly so many different versions of melody lines for the synth hook. Some were boring, some were functional, but just not very interesting. Some were interesting, but like super clashed between the two sections. I honestly thought it might be an impossible task that I was asking of myself. But then on top of that, besides the melody, I also needed to find the right like sound of the instrument. I needed it to be something that could stand on its own as a solo. And like in the reference track, the song starts with this bold synth hook and you just hear it right off the bat. But then also I wanted something that could play a supporting role and like mix in with the other elements behind it. So I toyed with a bunch of different instruments too. Some were so annoying. Some were not punchy enough. Some were fine, but made it the melody sound weird or made the like notes sound even clashier, which is a quality of, you know, acoustics more than anything else. So it was a challenge, but I landed on this blend between an analog synth brass sound and a Mellotron brass sound um, that really honestly mostly kind of just sounds like a saxophone. But with their powers combined, they had both enough punch, enough cut through, but also could fade into the back when I wanted it to. And so I liked the sound and it, it was mild enough that it wasn't jarring and once I had the sound down, it was actually a little bit easier to find uh, the melody that worked because then it wasn't like, why does that just not sound good? It, it kind of all was starting to sound good. And I finally came up with the melody line that worked in both chord contexts, but it was ultimately kind of a little boring <laughs> as it was mostly this sort of stepwise motion. Um, it went like, which is fine, but like kind of boring. And I played with that for a long time because I was like, I like this structurally where like the chord tones that I land on works, but how can I make it just a little more interesting? And then I decided to like break up the steps and make these sort of jumps, which is again, a reference to the reference track, but completely different. And um, I came up with the final version that you hear now. You've burned all your fire, done what was required. Somehow you've held it together Down to the wire It's time to retire No day can last forever So close your After eyes. all of that was squared away, it was finally time to record the vocals. I knew that I wanted this to have a bunch of vocal stacks. That's one of my favorite things in pop music is when it is it just feels so huge and part of that is just because there's so many voices and there's so many harmonies and it's really cool. And I knew that I wanted to do that in the chorus to, to make it sound big and huge, but I also knew that I needed to get these sort of primary solo vocal sounding right, like just right, before I could do any of that. So I asked my roommate and season two guest on this show, Kobe Lapola, to help produce my vocals. She has a ton of experience doing this, both in recording her own music and in getting great performances out of others. She's also a vocal coach. So I knew that she was like the choice. And if you need someone who can vocal produce for you, you should hit up Colby. Anyways, she and I worked for a while and with her help, I was able to get these really powerful solid vocal takes, I think, more so than my usual shenanigans. And so once I had these as a baseline, then it was kind of just a matter of recording doubles for the lead vocal and coming up with the harmonies and then recording each part and then recording the doubles of each harmony part. Oh, and then recording ad libs and improvisations. And why not record some vocals singing along with the synth hook line? And oh, and then we record doubles of those two. <laughs> ah! 
it was a lot of singing, like a lot of singing. Not to mention after that, having to clean up every single one of those vocal lines and harmony parts. It was a lot of work. And then all I had to do was just mix all of this together and make it sound like a real pop song. But by far, this was my largest session since starting this podcast. I I don't want to say ever because I've done some orchestral writing in the past that was a huge session. But for this podcast, for sure. I mean, I was like pushing 50 tracks at least. It was the biggest one. And I think... I don't know. I think it shows <laughs> in a good way, not in a bad way. Take it slow. Let it all go. Soon you'll float into the skies. Close your eyes. Rest your head. Da, 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 yeah. Take it slow. Let it all go. Soon you'll float into the skies. The main lesson that I've learned with this song is writing pop music is hard work. I've spent years of my life listening to pop music and thinking, I could do that. And arguably, yes, I could do it, and I did do it here. But there was so much more to this than I originally thought I would need. If I hadn't used this reference track, then I don't think I would have gotten my song to the level that it is now. Every time I listened to that reference track, I heard more bits that I I didn't notice before, like little sounds, little effects, small changes in the voice, small changes in the in the bass, whatever. And like writing a delicious pop beat is a lot of work. Recording pop vocals is a lot of work. One of the reasons this episode is late is because it just takes a lot of work to make a track like this happen. And I wanted to give it, you know, due process. I want, I made that choice to make it this level of pop music and I wanted to take it there, you know, and that was a lot more work than, than sometimes what I do for other songs or for other songs on this podcast, but also just in general, other types of music. It is a lot of work. And I've known that pop music is more than what it appears to be on the surface. But honestly, I think everyone should know. Pop music may seem simple or like overly accessible on the surface, but it actually takes so much work and creativity and knowledge and musical prowess to make something that is so clarified and distilled down to its purest form that anyone listening to it thinks that they can do it too. That's actually really hard. And I just, I just think that we should all have that context when listening to music in the future. Anyways, another lesson that I learned, and this is similar to something that I learned in the last episode, but it's that I can make music from so much more than just instruments. I think I spent a long time in my life limiting myself to the sounds that were made by instruments that I know of and can play. Um, even as a composer, yes, there was an, I was looking for new sounds, but I was looking for new sounds through the context of instruments that I didn't know about. And even though I live my life like oh, very aware of all the ways in which our surroundings are musical. I mean, heck, even today I was harmonizing with an alarm that was going on outside for like an hour. And I, <laughs> I've done some casual overtone singing to the espresso machine as it is working. But it's still easy to think that music has to be made by musical instruments in some capacity, but music can come from anywhere and anything at any point. Even including just one non-traditional sound to your music can take it from something ordinary to something extraordinary. And in this case, 
I used it in the the beat, as I mentioned, like the clock sound, the alarm clock, the ticking. I don't know. There, there's just so much more sound at your disposal than just musical instruments. Anyways, other than these lessons, I tried to apply all of the lessons that I've learned from previous episodes. Um, so, like, I included a reference track and, like, used the power of vocal doubles, which I took to the extreme and doubled everything. Um, the importance of subtle differences between sections and singing with fire and integrity, even when you are tracking in your own bedroom with the help of Colby. All of that said, I, I feel like this song really was the culmination of of a lot of lessons learned and a lot of growth. And I'm really proud of the way it turned out. I hope that you hear that and I hope that you like that as well. With all of that said, let's listen one more time to the song. Here is Rest in its entirety. Best to make a 
60 Bad Songs is created, recorded, and edited by me, Tim Roscoe. Follow us on social media at 50 Bad Songs on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can listen to this song and all previous songs on Bandcamp at 50badsongs.bandcamp.com or by streaming them on Spotify and Apple Music. You can find all previous episodes on our website at www.50badsongs.com. If you'd like to financially support 50 Bad Songs, consider joining our patron community at patreon.com slash 50 Bad Songs for even more behind-the-scenes content, including exclusive playlists, lyric sheets and chord charts, and other bonus content. Most importantly, if you enjoyed the episode or the music you heard today, the best way you can support us is by telling a friend, a family member, or a coworker about the show. Send them an episode or share your favorite song of ours with them. This is the best way to help the show grow. My name is Tim Roscoe, and thank you so much for listening.